Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to another edition of the Ballas and Skeen Show, part of the Wolverine.com podcast series. My name is Chris Ballas. With me, five-time Big Ten champion Doug Skeen. Got your rings out, man. I think I told you to bring your rings out this time. No? Oh, I didn't. I don't have them. No. They're in a safe somewhere or in that golden <laughs> silver pawn shop in, in Las Vegas. You know, no, no reason for that. Doug Skeen is Mr. Successful. He's doing a great <laughs> job of his career post-football and uh, uh, NFL player as well with the uh, New England Patriots. So this guy knows a little something about offensive line play. And we're going to talk about it here. Just getting over the Rona, guys, so bear with me if my, my voice isn't what it used to be. I got some uh, chapped lips here. I got some uh, chapped up nose. It's been a rough weekend. I haven't missed a game in a long time, Skeen. Uh, and uh, that was tough. It was tough to watch on TV, knowing I should have been there for that beatdown. Uh, the most impressive win of the year for Michigan by far. Well, before before we get into that, I'm curious. Yes. For a guy that goes to all the games, you're always there, you're in the press box, what's it like to watch a game like the rest of us fans on television? How'd you it like sucks. that? I hate it. I'll be honest. There's something about being there. Uh, and there's two things. Everybody says, oh, man, you get to sit in the press box. And how awesome is that? 
two things about that. Um, you're behind glass, so it's sterile, right? You can't say anything. You can't yell. You can't, uh, you know, and, and it hasn't stopped me a couple of times. John Borton has had to call me down at Notre Dame games, which would make yeah, I've heard, I've heard Karsh. I've heard Karsh has to walk down the hall and check on you at times. Yeah, he says that. That's not true. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, usually they're just messing with my placard and making short jokes or something on there. He and John Jansen, uh-huh. uh, who are, by the way, are doing a fantastic job as yeah. the Michigan play-by-play team. So, but uh, it sucks to be to know, you know, to see it and to have been there in that environment. Uh, there's just nothing like being at an opposing stadium on game day. And like you know, you love to go in there. You say, "Park the tanks, let's go in there and kick some ass." And that's exactly what they did, man. So you had to be impressed, especially with the the offensive line play right from the get go. It looked like somebody they finally had an opponent that got their attention. Yeah, yeah. So there's always something exciting about going on the road for the first time. And you get to go with your teammates, and you're going into a pretty rowdy atmosphere there at Nebraska. And so that didn't surprise me. The team came together, and this is a continuation of the last two seasons under Coach Harbaugh, where they finally figured out how to go on the road, embrace the atmosphere, take ownership, and park the tanks, and just take over. And that's what the Michigan offense did in the first part of that game. They're cracking off successful runs, running the football, Throwing the football, they looked like they they knew what they were doing and comfortable doing it out there. It wasn't perfect for sure, but certainly looked very comfortable taking over the football game early and before you knew it, it was 14-0. It was, and you knew once they got the fourth down stop, especially it was 14-0. And Matt Rule, uh, Nebraska's coach, he said, you know what? He said, we get it to 14-7 there and maybe it's a different game. First of all, there's no guarantee you get it to 14-7 even if you get the fourth and one because it's going to be tough for them to get in the end zone the way they were not getting any push up front against that Michigan front. So maybe 14 to three, we'll give them that. Even so they weren't stopping this Michigan offense, but the left side of the line, especially let's talk about the run blocking first scheme and the left side of the line there. I really think that the Ladarius Henderson, Trevor Keegan combo is really getting better there. They looked really comfortable pushing some guys out of there. And Jim Harbaugh talked about that today. Yeah. So, and the run blocking, I, I agree. You know, I said this last week coming out of the Rutgers game, Rutgers game. I think the combination that I think is probably best suited right now after watching these tackles rotate for now five games is Ladarius at left and Carson at right. And uh, it's not perfect. We'll talk about it a little bit in the passing game, but run blocking, these guys seem pretty comfortable. Now, again, it's not perfect, but it can get there when you just leave these two alone and let them sit and play and play and play and play together, and they'll get more comfortable together. But I like Ladarius at left tackle, and of course Keegan. Uh, you know he's certainly a senior veteran guy, one of the better guards in the Big Ten and beyond this year. He's going to be a high draft pick kind of guy, really good player in there. So the effectiveness on the ground looked cleaner this week. And they looked more solid, looked more confident in there. And this sounds like, you know, it sounds and looks like, and you can look at the statistics, that it's starting to come around and get back to where we, you know, not not back to where we wanted them to be, but starting to elevate to where we expect them to be. Yeah, and Matt Rule said, you know, I expected them to come out against our number one ranked run defense on paper. Uh, let's be honest, uh, this, this is uh, not the number one run defense in the country, but they were coming in statistically basically because of who they played. But he yeah. said, I expected Jim Harbaugh to maybe try to make a statement. Now, two things, they did it methodically. And I, and I frankly, I love that. When I was listening, I listened to guys, um, analysts like Chris Peterson, who used to coach at Boise State in Washington, say they have an identity. You know, that's something that they got away from when they were under 
Jim Harbaugh like three, four years ago when they did the speed and space crap. And I'm like, nah, you don't have to do that. Uh, stick to who you know, who you are and what you know. But they are breaking off the huge long run scheme. And A, two things. Are, are teams, do you think, trying to take that away from Michigan? Or what is the reason that Michigan's not breaking the long run? Somebody was asking about that. Well, well there was just a few plays in that Nebraska game that were awfully close. And mm-hmm. you were watching at home like I was. And and there was just a backside block that maybe wasn't held quite long enough. There was just one little linebacker get to that wasn't quite held long enough. But there were a couple plays where all Edwards or Coram had to do was make a guy miss or didn't have somebody coming late to grab an ankle where it would have cracked off for 20 or more yards. So it was it, of all the games we've watched so far, this is the closest thing to cracking off the long runs. And the next step, obviously, is to clean that up. Because what happens is you go back. Let's say you're playing left tackle. I'm just, you know, we'll make, just make this up. And Ladarius has a backside cutoff block. Then he steps inside, tries to make a block on, and he's got part of that block, got part of that block. And then late, maybe that linebacker, that defensive end, peels off. And that's the guy that 10 yards down the field makes the tackle. So Coach Moore looks at that with the player and says, okay, let's work on our backside cutoff block so that that guy doesn't get that chance to make that shoestring tackle or trip him up. And then we go off for 30 or more or 20 or more or whatever it is. And those are the kinds of things now you're dialing in here midseason to get to the highest levels that we expect this offensive line to be, and they can be. Yeah, we'll talk about more on that in a minute, but I'm going to talk first about home field Apparel, um, home field, a premium college apparel brand based in Indianapolis that I absolutely love. Skiing, I've talked about this a million times. I uh, wear in my Big Ten, uh, 1992 Big Ten Champions shirt. I was there. I watched you guys live vicariously through you. I could have been a great holder or kicker if I could <laughs> kick or hold. So, um, but uh, anyway, commitment to, to creating uh, incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel, vintage college designs. Uh, growing collection of over 150 plus colleges to choose from, including your favorite teams, including Michigan, of course. Somebody uh, actually ordered a Grand Valley shirt. I thought that was really cool. That's um, cool. This it is cool. So uh, they got a dedica- dedication to delving into those archives and the history of each school. And there are going to be tons of Big Ten championship shirts for you guys to choose from. National championship apparel, obviously, in in football and basketball. So. Uh, authentic, nostalgic, and their designs perfect for showing off your team pride as college football returns. But not just that, it's comfortable skiing. Um, and and uh, yours should be on your way if you haven't gotten it yet. If not, your neighbor probably stole it. So, um, but- well, my neighbor, my neighbor's not a big dude. So if he's wearing it, I'll, I'll if he's wearing a, a Michigan championship T-shirt from 1992 and it looks awfully large on him, yeah. I'll, I'll go next door and I'll he's beat probably him. Probably give it to his wife as a night shirt or something <laughs> like that. because so, uh, it's a big one, buddy. So, um, but I love it. It's re- exceptionally comfortable. It's uh, you know what I watched it a couple of times and it, and it oh, it's it's comfort. So uh, I love it. Homefieldapparel.com is where you go, guys. Check it out. Fifteen percent off your order, uh, your first order with the code Wolverine twenty three. That's Wolverine twenty three at Homefieldapparel.com. Perfect college football gear for the season. And now I'm bringing out the long sleeved ones, buddy, because it's going to be fifty three degrees on. Saturday night in Minneapolis, which is great football weather. Actually, 53 for the high, so probably in the 40s at kickoff. Did you like playing in colder weather, uh, hotter weather? Did it matter to you? Cold. Yeah. The heat was, you know, I had had enough of the heat playing high school football in Texas when, you yeah. know, when it's 100 degrees for practice every day and you play on Friday nights and you're playing on the turf or whatever, even on grass. I had had enough of the heat. So for me, um, I enjoyed uh, the fall feel 
the late October, November thing. Uh, although I will say uh, there was one memorable game <clears throat> when, um, when I guess I should say when you're playing is what I meant yeah. to say. When you're playing out there, the colder uh, the temperatures we always had fun with. Um, but if it's cold and it's raining and you're not playing and you're a redshirt freshman standing on the sideline and it's 34 degrees and raining against Minnesota in 1988 or 89, I, I can't remember. It, it was the uh, – yeah, I, I think it was yeah. that was a brutal, brutal experience. <laughs> that, yeah. was, that rain was coming down the uh, the stadium. <laughs> it was, I was, it was a garbage bag. It was a poncho. Oh, it was cold. Uh, oh yeah, my yeah. gosh, it was cold. Uh, but it, when you're playing in that stuff, yeah. you know it's it's fun, right? Because it doesn't matter how cold it is. Because you're hot out there, you feel good. And so I'm sure these guys come Saturday night up in Minnesota. They'll love the atmosphere because this is a free, this will be the first kind of cool snap. Now, I know it's hot in Ann Arbor right now. Going to be hot practice today, hot practice tomorrow, and then they finally this weather's going to come through this week and make it feel like fall around here, which is always, I don't know, just something exciting about it. Yeah, there is something to say. But it was in 1988, and uh, one of your quarterbacks got hurt that game, if I'm not mistaken. So Trip Wellborn was the guy who had the, the injury, and I remember that night. Or maybe it was Tony Bowles. It no, it wasn't that game because it was, uh, it was a different game. I think it was um, – yeah, Trip was at home. I think in 1990. I'm not mistaken. Well, then Tony, then Bowles got hurt in that Minnesota game. Then somebody oh, got hurt that dome. night. Up in and, the dome. Um, yeah. The dome. Yeah. The dome with it. You know, but I don't know that yeah. dome. The old Metrodome was that was probably the worst atmosphere in all of the Big Ten at the time. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah. Let's get back to talk about. Let's get back to talk about here. Let's talk about Donovan Edwards. You know, he's at he averaged I think 3.8 yards per carry. He looks like he looked like he ran harder to me, number one, which was good. Um, you know, there were a couple times that he, he still goes down. That first guy gets him by the ankles. So of the three backs, I, I think he's more the guy that's apt to to go down a little bit earlier. Well, that that's certainly that the fair? argument to be made for that. But he, I think he ran harder ballast, but I think yeah. he ran smarter too. I think his vision okay. was a little bit better. I think his cuts were a little bit better. Using the backside of those yellow pants, you know, and back see that from blocks going left, and you're going to cut right. Of course, Quorum had some incredible cuts in there, but I think Donovan is coming around and playing the smart position of that of the running back back there with that ball in his hands. And that you know we talked about earlier, and we saw where he's pressing and he's not giving the patience and the time for those blocks to develop the way they should, and he's just taking his own path, which wasn't the best path. And I think he showed a step forward in this Nebraska game, but I agree, you know, and that's something that coaches are always talking about is, you know, how easily you go down, how hard is it to make you go down? And I think he's going to get better at that as long as he stays in this path of running smart. You can run hard and smart, and then you can work on the finer things of, of saying, all right, how do I, how do I run through these arm tackles so that my feet don't get tripped up? And there's drills they can do out there. I'm sure they're going through those kinds of things to make sure that your feet are staying in a position of where you can maintain some balance and run through that stuff. And it'll come with time. It's a talented, talented guy. It'll get there. And I, th I saw a step forward for him. Yeah, me too. Uh, even though the numbers didn't really back it up. I did like what I saw from Coel Mullings. Yeah. This kid is starting to get it. You know, he was playing linebacker here and then he moves over. Now he's back to being a full-time running back. And he did play running back in, in high school. And I did write last week, I said, the coaches from what we'd heard, uh, we're really we're liking to start with the, like starting to like what they saw from him in practice and that he could get some more carries when it mattered in short yardage situations. Not only is he getting through the line, but then he's breaking some of those tackles. We saw the 20 something yard run. This kid is powerful. This kid looks like a yeah. good Big Ten running back now. He's, and not just that. 
is deceivingly powerful and 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 contact and and there's 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 falling forward and then there's driving forward i think ballas and there's there's a subtlety there when you watch that that style and the way mullings hits that line of scrimmage there's a pop there's a there's a penetration with his helmet and it's darting through the clutter in there and he's dragging people for an extra couple yards as opposed to going down and falling forward for a yard and it's a different style than we've seen from other backs. I think it's a different style than uh, Corum and Edwards for sure. But now it's another curveball that we can throw at people with him in the backfield and then play action off of him and his style, which allows more things to happen offensively. It's a positive for this offense. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about the offense for a second. But speaking of pops, tell me you saw Christian Boyvan's hit on special teams. It's like a form tackle. It's like how you draw it up. Form tackle, eyes up, drive your nose through the sternum, out the backside of the defender or the the player, and and drive the hips, wrap the arms. It's like, all right, put that on the highlight reel forever of how you play the position and how you tackle somebody. It was awesome. It was a fantastic. Traverse City kid, by the way, I got friends up there. The Roses, uh, he told me about this kid and said he's a walk-on. Don't be surprised if you see, you see him play. Those Traverse City kids know how to hit, man. That was fantastic. So shout-out to him there. I do want to come back to the tight ends. I thought the blocking from the tight ends and looking at the film has, was outstanding. And they, they answered the bell. That first game, they were subpar. Since then, they have been outstanding. Max Bredesen is one that come, comes to mind. A.J. Barner has continued to improve. Yeah. Wilson Loveland, they're starting to double-team him in the passing game. So he's starting to block a little bit more and block a little bit better, create opportunities for guys. But what have you seen from those guys? Yeah. Again, I, I, I would echo what you just said. There's a development happening here before our eyes. And, you know, I, I said in the first couple of weeks of the season, you just can't replicate this stuff in practice. You just can't. And so there's a, there's a developmental stepping stone from getting it done in a walkthrough with your feet being exactly where they need to be, to getting it done in a full padded practice and a live drill. And you can simulate all you want in those practices. Uh, and, and that's all fine and great. It's all you can do. And then it's game repetition and game execution. And now we're seeing this tight end unit come around to being more effective. And you just can't get that until you go out and you get reps at it and you break down the film and you realize where your foot was wrong or your second step was second step was off and you got out of balance or your eyeballs are wrong and your hands are wrong and you can fine tune this stuff. And so, again, this is a natural progression for me as long as things, you know, the way you see this, it's a positive progression. You see guys getting a little bit better every week, a little bit better gradually. And then suddenly things yeah. really start to pop. Right. And this is the time of season where you see that suddenly it's like, whoa, watch out here. This is looking really good. Now you got to temper this a little bit because Nebraska's, I don't think I was all that great of a football team, but Michigan went out and executed to a level in their running game with the tight end unit and this run blocking uh, as, as good as we've, as we've seen all year. Yeah, there's no question. And it's going to be like that for a while because the Big Ten is, is reminiscent of the 1970s, if we're being honest here. We've got the Big Three and the Little uh, 11, you know, the, the Big Two and the Big and, yeah. the, and the Little Eight. And I'm not even convinced. You know, I watched Penn State. Um, they weren't overwhelming against Northwestern. They were yeah. tied, ten, tied at 10 and a half. And 
their offense is, is kind of clunky still. They aren't breaking off big runs. Northwestern is certainly not the standard. Now their defense is fast, and I'll give them that. But Statistically, they that? their Northwestern right. game has helped them because statistically their defense is now ranked higher than ours. Right, which is and fine. Uh, it's fine. It is what it is. You know, yeah. But I think it's, it's fair to say when you watch Penn State, yeah, they got some players. Yeah. They do have some players. They got some uh, players. This is going to be a fascinating matchup when we get there. Yeah. And I, th- and, and I think we'll be fine once we get there as long as we keep taking these positive progression, progressive steps toward improvement. And as long as you keep your quarterback upright, which brings me to my next topic here. They, they are without a left tackle. I think it's fair to say now at this point, um, yeah, they've got guys that can run block and they're doing it well. But if well, you've got sitting on the right scheme, then you've, you've got a leaky right tackle. If you've got – Darius Henderson on the left, you've got a, a leaky left tackle, and maybe even with Carson Barnhart over there at times. So how do you? Yeah, do that? I, I would say I would I would I would correct you, Bowles, and say they're not without a left tackle. They okay. they have they have two guys that can play over there, and we've got two guys that can play on the right. Three guys if you throw in Trente in there. Who's and playing so, very well, by the way. Yeah. So so the question is is when do we see the finer things clean up so lastly here's here's some good news for you we started track uh, tracking some statistics i did offensive line performance wise uh tackles for losses this week was the only category of the five that i track for the offensive line that got worse from last week this week we gave up two tackles for losses not good Last week, he yeah, gave up none. Bad. It's not not yeah. the worst ever. Two in a football right. game is not that bad. No gains. Only had two. Only two plays for no gain. QB pressures went from, from seven down to five. QB hits went from seven down to three. And sacks went from two to zero right. last week versus this week. So these are all good numbers except for that tackles for loss allowed. I get greedy, right? And I've said this, I've said this a thousand times on our podcast. No one touches the quarterback ever. That's the perfect game where the quarterback is upright, can throw, even if he moves around a bit, as long as he doesn't get hit. Now, in this game at left, Ladarius gave up a couple bad pass sets and got beat. And in one play in particular, we had an entire defensive end land on top of JJ and smash him to the ground. And JJ got up and looked to see where the ball went, which is always a good sign. You always look for your quarterback's head to pop up immediately to see where the ball went. But boy, does that make your 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 heart flutter a little bit when your quarterback is laying there smashed. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that has to be fixed. You can't have that kind of thing. And so the greedy old offensive lineman that I am, this is the kind of thing that can't happen. We have to have perfection over there at left tackle. And so the worst thing that could happen is maybe your quarterback gets touched, but we can't have guys laying on top of them with all their weight. Can't happen. No. 330 pounds. Uh, and guess what? On the other one, he threw a touchdown pass because he and Roman Wilson are in such in sync now. You know, in the past, those receivers would stop their routes if they were covered. Now, when JJ is scrambling out of there, if you had a statue of quarterback, there'd be many more sacks this year. Let's just be, let's call it like it is. But JJ McCarthy gets away like a Jim Harbaugh used to and keeps his eyes downfield and he throws a laser to Roman Wilson, who sees it. Comes back across the field. What a play! So Wilson's Wilson is turning in and has certainly upped his game yes. and his ability to make things happen after the prescribed route. Right. Yes. So yep. JJ's taking his time back in there, which is a good indicator of of protection. But yep. Wilson, uh, the guy I was sitting there watching the game with this weekend, he's like, "Who's that kid?" I'm like, "That that kid's been playing football around here for a while, but now he's taking his game to the next level and making the acrobatic stuff, catching yeah. the football in the back of the kid's helmet, and then ripping his head down with him 
to score the <laughs> touchdown. That's that's a highlight that should be in in the highlight reels forever in college yeah. football. That's how good of a catch that was. Yeah, in fact, uh, Jim Harbaugh said they are going to put the picture of it up in the in the team room there, like they do for some <laughs> of the legendary plays. It was a late throw, and and I understand it was probably his third progression. Uh, but he was open for a long time skiing. You could see yeah. him on his own view, and it's like uh, JJ didn't quite get there in time. And he said, uh, he saw the defensive back coming over. He said, oh, my God, you know, but his receiver bailed him out. And that's what I've been waiting for years, frankly, to see from guys like uh, Roman Wilson. If you're a next-level receiver, then you make a play like that. And that's something with the contested catches, too. Uh, some of them, they weren't getting great separation, but they were making the sliding grabs, which are tough catches too when you got a laser coming in there. So they've really upped their game, in my opinion. Yeah, there's no question about that. And again, it, you know, at times you think like that play there uh, with the catch against the back of the helmet is is JJ getting a little too greedy? Yeah, is he is he hanging out for something that he wants instead of something that he has right in front of him? And that, that's a little concerning as a fan sitting on a couch watching a game on Saturday. I've never played the quarterback position, but I'm a guy who's a law and order and, and due process and all this. It's like, dude, take your first route. If it's there, take it. Don't be looking at it if it's wide open and then going, well, maybe I can get more. Maybe I can get more. And I'm making this up, right, Ballas? I'm watching the kid play, and he's an outstanding quarterback, and he can make all the throws. But I just go, it's okay. It's okay to take what they give you. Yeah. It, it's not always going to be a home run. But the kids out there having fun, and with the exception of one bad game and just a couple throws and a couple of these other games, he's doing an outstanding job back there. So I trust him. He's our quarterback. The only thing that concerns me is keeping him upright, right? And we had a host of other guys come in and play, but none of them are J.J., at this point, we need to keep him healthy. So that's why I go back to Ladarius or Barnhart or whoever our tackles are. No one can get a full shot on this guy. you got to keep him healthy. Did your, your wife, now Tracy, then your girlfriend ever come down and kiss you between your quarters like uh, JJ? You know, you brought, <laughs> it's funny you brought that, if you brought that up because I'm watching the game and Tracy comes in the room and, and, and that highlight or whatever that was, was on there. And she goes, what's up with that? She's like, and, and the friend that was watching it, he's like, what do you mean? You wouldn't have allowed that to happen when you guys were in school? I said, hell no. I wouldn't have been over there. We, we'd have gotten in so much trouble. Yeah. For going over and kissing a girlfriend in the middle of a game, we would have never heard the end of that. So yeah. I guess times have changed, Ballas. So yeah, um, yeah. You, good tell for him. you tell Tracy to step up and be there, but you know, between the ninth and the tenth holes on there, give you a big kiss and maybe a you know a drink or something. So you tell her, you tell her I said that, and I'm, I can't wait her. to hear. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what she says about that. So um, the woman who once got mad at me for taking a mulligan, uh, on, which I was just fantastic. So. Uh-huh. Um, all right, let's talk now about uh, Jim Harbaugh said something today on Monday. He said, you know, we might have to do something that we do with the defensive line. The way that some of these offensive linemen are playing, uh, Trente Jones is one that he mentioned. Trente plays hard. Uh, I don't know if you noticed it. But always I has. Trente has never been an effort yeah. issue with that no, kid. He's always no. going. He was moving people. And I was really encouraged by what the second team did, frankly. You know, they've mailed it in, like, maybe the first four games or whatever, but they moved down the field, and they were hitting people, which was great. But he said, we may have to plug some guys in, if you know, give somebody a nudge. We call it a rally with the defensive line that we do. You know, if a guy, okay, we got somebody fresh, let's throw him in there for a couple plays. He said, we may have to do that on the offensive line because we just have so many bodies there like Trente. And I'm thinking, well, don't you want to develop that chemistry 
And I could maybe see it if you got a guy struggling for a couple series or something like that. But is that something that you really want to experiment with at this time when you're trying to get these guys in the pass blocking shape and everything else? Well, Ballas, I think I think if it's scripted, that it's probably going to be all right as long as the guys understand and if you're practicing the reps in there. So if a guy like Trente has earned the, the, the chance to get out there on the field and he's progressing in the, in the practices and the drills and doing everything that's asked of him, then maybe the coaching staff says, all right, the third possession, Trente, you're playing right tackle, period. And Carson, you're going to left. And then let's just practice it. We're just going to get used to it. And that's, the, you know, my old buddy, Mark Staten, who used to be the offensive line coach at Michigan State for all those years. And, you know, we're not, not going to promote the Spartans or anything here. But, you know, Mark used to do that because he wanted, he wanted the guys that had earned the time to get on the field. And it did two things. It kept, it, it, it kept guys like him. Uh, the young men that have earned the time, like right, we're talking about Trente, you you should be on the field. If you're practicing and you're moving people and you're doing the, you know, the things that you, you're expected to do and the players all, you know, players know who's doing well out there. And so obviously he is, you got to get him on the field. And then the other thing is it keeps all your, your sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth offensive linemen on their toes. If the offensive line coach comes and says, Ballas, uh, you're in at left tackle in the third series of this week. So, you know, no matter where we are, no matter what situation you're going in for the third series or the second series or whatever it is. And I, I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. And I don't think that prevents an offensive line gelling together as long as the guys understand the context of the, of the motivation for it. And then if Trente goes in there at right tackle and absolutely crushes people and does an outstanding job and doesn't give up those leaks and doesn't give up those hits on the quarterback and he plays clean over there, then maybe he starts a football game over there and Carson goes to left and who knows what the combination is. So as many times as I say, the ideal situation is five studs all learning to play together and you gel together. Well, that's not always the way it works because a guy gets hurt. And then you got to throw in an Al Hattie there at left at left guard when Keegan goes down with an injury. You got to rotate someone at center or whatever the combinations are. So there's a time and place to get guys in there that have earned it. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's any question. Um, in your opinion, now I'm going to go out there and I'm going to say, look, I've seen enough now to know that the best five, in my opinion, are LD at left, Carson Barnhart at right, and then the three studs in the middle there. Uh, I don't think he messed with it at this point. I know Miles Hinton was, was working on something, working through something, um, I think a, a lower leg injury. So, uh, But I think when I look at the just the, the, the want to and the, the coming off the ball and the firing off the ball uh, consistently, this is the best five to me. I agree. Uh, okay. I, I agree. And, and uh, as, like I said earlier, it, ha- it wasn't perfect because mm-hmm. Ladarius gave up a couple hits there and, and got out of sorts on a couple of those snaps. But I still think the combination in, in Carson at right tackle is he's most comfortable there because that's where most of the time he's played here at Michigan is at right tackle. So if that's his strength, let's let him build upon his strength instead of, instead of trying to make him a stronger left tackle when he's naturally a right a right-handed guy. Yeah. And so I like the lineup, but that doesn't mean that a guy like Trente doesn't come in. And maybe you leave Ladarius at left. And you take Carson off the field for a series because Trente's earned it. I don't think that's the end of the world either. And get some guys in there and and move them around and see what happens. But I think I do think that the lineup right now is is as you said with with Ladarius at left and Carson at right. Yeah, uh, we'll see if they stick with that. It sure sounds like they might. As Jamar Boss said, this is a very unselfish group. Miles Hinton included in them. So uh, and Miles Hinton has had plenty of opportunity too to, to prove himself out there. He might not be 100 percent right now, and there will be. Let's be honest, there will probably be a time 
in the season where they need him again, guys. This is a, this is not ping pong out there. These guys are getting banged up and they're getting hurt. So, uh, and it's not like he hasn't played some good ball either. And so, mm-hmm. all right, let's switch to the other side of the ball here and uh, what you saw from the defense. It was leaky in the middle. I thought on some of those slants, it was a concern. There was uh, too much room to run two or three times. There could have been a couple more scores, frankly. Uh, you get a, a tip ball on one of them and that might've gone the distance. I think Rod Moore is certainly is still not healthy yet and that doesn't help. Um, he's still coming back from injury, but uh, overall, you know, the way they took and designed that defense to take the option out of it, the way they were lining up and playing the edges and the way the defensive line plays, man, it is hard to find any fault with the way those guys in the front seven are playing right now. Yeah. Against the run is there's nothing really to nitpick here. I mean, of course, if we turn on the film, we probably could, Mm -hmm. there's no doubt about it, but, but this defensive front is uh, there's nothing with any consistency that anybody's done. Uh, it, throughout the course of a football game. Now we'll see how this 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 plays out. But again, these guys are going to get better and better as the season goes on, and we've seen that with this group. And they're going to continue to get better and more comfortable playing with the combinations of the guys that are on the field. So against the run, I feel as comfortable today as I did after week two, where it's like, wow, this defense is as good as advertised. And so that doesn't change. And I think in some of those slants where they caught us for some bigger gains. I think an angle or two that gets changed by the safety on there or just a couple angles or a couple of hand placements and suddenly got a different result. So, you know, I think we get greedy, Ballas, as fans and, and people that go to the games and write this stuff. It's like no one should ever have a big play against us ever. Well, that's just not real. Right? No. Nebraska's not a good football team, but they got some kids that can play and run and catch, and they're pretty good athletes over there too. So yeah. they're going to make one or two, and, and future opponents are going to do the same thing. The right. question is, is can they do it? consistently and they in nebraska couldn't and no one else has been able to either so that's the part that goes you know what you know you you give up a play or two um you know what happens for the rest of the series and this defense seems to rally around itself even when they do make a mistake or two yeah my concern would be it's the slant you know two or three four times now frankly the the slant you know where it's a guy a safety making it yet the safety's one goal and and first objective is not to let anybody behind him so nothing gets behind him Right, you got to play against Rutgers. Uh, that can't happen. Uh, you get to play, you know, the 56 yarder to start the second half. You know, if that's a 14 to nothing game, that's a momentum changer. You know, they held anyway. But, you know, things like that in bigger games, that might be a concern. So they need to tighten it up. And I do plan on asking uh, secondary coach and defensive coordinator Steve Klinkscale about that on Wednesday. And he'll probably tell me, yeah, you know, we need to do this, this, but we're working on it. I have zero doubt that a Klinkscale and Jay Harbaugh secondary is going to clean that up. So, uh, but that is something I will ask him. But, you know, without Mason Graham in there, that defensive line, I mean, have you as a, as a I'm just going to say fact, as you as a bigger guy ever caught a pass, like on a deflection, like Kenneth Grant did? And holy crap, that must have been, he must have been an odd man in there. Right? Was, hey, listen, yeah. that kid, Ballas, it wasn't like it just popped up right in front of him. Right, right. That ball went yeah. up in the air yeah. and he had to, he had to go find it over his left shoulder. Yeah, it was yeah. like an over-the-shoulder grab in traffic as he had an, I think one of the offensive linemen was coming to grab him. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, that kid found yeah. that ball in the air over his shoulder. That's That was yeah. unbelievable. You couldn't do that back in the day? Come uh, on. That would have been a hard because I had the big neck brace on everything. I don't think oh, I had to yeah. turn my head and looked. But, uh, <laughs> that, I mean, that young man made an unbelievable play to catch that yeah. thing. So that was exciting. I was, I sat up in my chair. I was like, did I just see that thing? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so that was – and, of course, Ballas, uh, how many years have I been saying this? The part that happens after a play like that, when you see the entire sideline yeah. 
smiles. They're happy for him. They're yeah. happy for each other. They're congratulating each other. And you can just see this galvanization of the Michigan team together. Yeah. Two things. It builds confidence amongst yourselves and your opponent, this opponent and future opponents are going, damn, these -hmm. guys really, really enjoy playing hard for each other. And it has a demoralizing effect on them. (laughs) And and that's absolutely part of what happened on Saturday. Yeah, they love KG, and there's nothing not to love about that. We interviewed him in in Arizona, uh, it, you know, for the, the Fiesta Bowl. And what, a, what an unbelievable kid. Just a, just a gentle giant man. But when he gets on that field, he plays with a nasty streak. He does. I mean, he, looks like he, he, listen, he looks like he'd be a tough dude to move. Yes, yes. And he is a tough dude to move. So, uh, Braden McGregor, credit to him for getting a hand on that yeah. ball. He played a great game, I thought. Yeah. I'm still not concerned. They had four. They had four. You know what? Heinrich Har- Harburg, the quarterback, he said, you know, it's one of the cleanest pockets I've had. This year, and I'm thinking, well, you got sacked four times, and yeah, three balls knocked down. So, still doing something right. And were they match protecting a lot from what you saw, or, or what was going on up there? Uh, I didn't. I didn't notice. Quite okay. honestly, I don't know. That, I don't know that they were. And and yeah. McGregor off the edge. This is he's been. You know, since he's found himself on the football field a lot in the last two seasons, this is becoming one of his specialties. He does a really nice job of keeping his eyeballs on the quarterback, and when that ball's coming his way. He's a big, tall kid. He gets his hands up, and that's almost like a lost art now amongst yeah. defensive linemen, getting your hands up. And so he's been doing it in big moments for the last two years, and he did it again. You know, and we so, learned it from, right? Yeah, he got that from Hutch. Yeah, he sure did. Hutch still does it in the uh, with the yeah, Lions. Absolutely. He's on the way to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, uh, Super Bowl for the Lions. That's right. That's Where's your face I'm- paint? Yeah, I'm telling you, man. I'm I'm all in, which means something's gonna happen. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I'm scarred, folks. Okay, so don't don't blame me for being skeptical. But I I've, I've been to a game and I love this team and I love watching Hutch play. Obviously. So, all right. Last thing here. Uh, we did talk about Jim Harbaugh's contract last week, and uh, that that compelled a few people to pick up the phones and give me a call. And we made some calls ourselves, and and they said, look, here's the situation. The lawyer, what the lawyers have said, and pe- what people are saying is that. The optics are bad if, you know, the NCAA hates Jim Harbaugh is the way I think a lot of people do There's it. a flag, I think, above the NCAA offices that have a picture right. of Jim's face with a big yes, red right. circle and a line exactly. through it. Right. So they are being told that, hey, it's going to be look bad and there is a, a more likelihood that he's going to get a couple more games if we decide, screw you, NCAA, we're going to extend you now. Jim is aware of this. And they are ready to go, and he's going to be one of the highest paid coaches in the Big Ten, if not the highest paid coach in the Big Ten, uh, once this is all settled. So, so um, wait a minute, did I hear you? So did I hear you yes. correctly in saying that the chatter is that yes. Michigan's waiting to see what the NCAA does or doesn't do with this guy? They that they are saying that they are they believe strongly that the NCAA will. Uh, come down harder on him. So they're protecting him basically is what they're saying mm. by, you know, they don't want him to miss a couple games next year, including the Texas game, for example, mm. by saying, okay, thumbing their nose at the NCAA, this is our coach. He didn't, you know, we don't care what you do, what you say, you know what? So they're, that would make them more inclined to maybe add a tack a couple games on there. But I have also heard others say that they hope this is behind them. I think we will know by the end of January uh, what the situation is. And if Jim Harbaugh has some, has some NFL opportunities. I think uh, I still think it will at least listen. But 
Uh, that is their what they are saying. They say it has nothing to do with anything other than that, that they want Jim Harbaugh here. Santa Ono has actually responded to people on our message boards emailing him saying it is a top priority from everything I have heard. I believe him. Uh, you know, that'd be one hell of a legacy, right, to, to lose your coach that's basically got you back playing elite football here, uh, you know, and, and getting to the playoffs. So I strongly believe that, yes, it will be a priority for them. Will it be enough? Who knows? But I just well, want so. to I, I hope so. But I, as I sit here today, yep. uh, you know, I'm glad to hear that kind of stuff, Ballas, and that yep. chatter hopefully is a good thing. But as I sit here today, if the Chicago Bears call – uh, you know, January, February, when their season's over, I still, you know, the end, and Jim gets an offer. I think he leaves. Yeah. yeah. And they're cheap. So who knows if he'll uh, offer them, you know, every time I watch a Las Vegas Raiders or a uh, Los Angeles Chargers game too, like they played yeah. each other yesterday and I'm like, damn it. One of them's going to lose, you yeah. know? So you just don't, <laughs> but you know what? And and if he, I'll tell you what, if he, if he were leaving, he has that itch to go back and, and try to uh, get a Super Bowl, get the Lombardi trophy, then more power to him from, you know, but, uh, Here's hoping that they do everything in their power to keep him. I, if it were me, man, I would be full I don't, press. I don't give a damn how much you you might be button heads with this guy. You know what? I'm kissing his ass. <laughs> I'm saying, Jim, what do you want? What yep. can I do for you? Yep. And uh, and I'm sorry for cutting your pay or whatever, even if you're not. You know, back in 2020 yep. when when it was might have been deserved. So let him coach. Let him coach the team. I know. Let him let him coach the team. You know yep. the other thing that the other thing that we don't hear about with his players, is guys doing dumb stuff off the field. No, nope. and the in the few players that have touched the electric fence with Coach Harbaugh, gone. Yep. And so he don't play around. He runs a tight knit over organization, and I think the guy's done an outstanding job here since turning whatever corner it was. Yeah. Coming off of the final year of disappointments. Yep. And now Michigan football is where it wants to be, and this is now a Jim Harbaugh identified organization, and it's got all the characteristics of what so so many of the elements that us former players recognize in this current football program, and all the things that we expect. The guys are doing a good job, you know. Guys got have guys doing stupid things, and so you know it'd be great if the NCAA and maybe maybe President Ono is is along the plans of. Who cares what they think with their flag above their office that they hate Jim Harbaugh? We're going to keep this guy. We're going to make it very, very difficult for him to leave should yeah. an NFL team make him an offer. We're going to make him think hard and hard about this for, for, before making that decision. Without a doubt. He's Doug Skeen, five-time Big Ten champion. Uh, Skeen, appreciate it. We will talk again next week. All right. Go Blue. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. 
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.